everybody, welcome to the Spin Cycle podcast, podcast talking to the personalities, the groups and the brands that make London and the UK an incredible place to be a cyclist. Today we've got a good friend of NJ and I's, Donna McConnell, Iron Empress. Donna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It is good to be here with familiar faces. Um, thanks for inviting me on. This feels really awkward, no but still. yeah look well we you know listeners avid listeners and watchers will know we typically break the podcast into three sections right so it's the getting to know the person who are you how do you get in cycling second part we could talk about the projects you're working on the difference you're making the impact you've got on lots of people donna and the third part will be uh you know mainly going into white bib short chat uh, my pyramid scheme of getting people to come out for a group ride etc etc so starting from the top maybe people who don't know you you know who are you and how did you get into cycling Donna well I mean it goes back quite a way (laughs) Uh, my name is Donna Donna McConnell Um, I grew up on an estate in West London Um, I started cycling as a kid, really, like everybody else, one of my earliest memories is actually riding my tricycle like a scooter. And um, I always loved riding bikes, but I didn't own one uh, because my dad, for some reason, he said, um, my dad's Jamaican, and he was like, girl child enough for ride bike. And <laughs> that was very unusual for my dad because he literally supported me in anything that I wanted to do. I mean, I became a rapper when I was 18. I didn't go to university and my dad supported me to do that. But I think he was just being tight. But mm. I got a bike from my gran that was belonged to one of my aunts and I rode that into the ground. And it was when I was rapping that one of my friends offered me a bike, a Muddy Fox, for 50 quid. And we're going back to 1980, 1988, possibly, 89, and I bought it. And literally, I've owned a bike ever since. Um, So, yeah, going back to who am I, um, at that time, you know, I, I... did music and I rapped and I used to ride to the studio. You know, I've always ridden in London. Um, I went on, after that, I had I had my daughter when I was 24, yeah. which obviously in, in our society is considered young. But I always wanted to be a journalist from when I was young. And yeah. so after I had my daughter, I went back to study. I did the rap thing like five years. I was part of a group called She Rockers. It was an amazing time in music and in London I was at the centre of it but that's a whole nother story and um, you know I don't want to take up too much time. (laughs) No 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 no, no. hang on hang on hang on is this is this the public enemy (laughs) McDonald's story people need to know this because you you told me about this a year ago why don't you tell people the public enemy story have you heard this Anjay? No I've not heard it. Yeah so um, yeah when I was a teenager I I'd always wanted to be a journalist but I started hearing this music hip hop and I got really into it and 
I, I, I mean, from what you know of me, you can see that if I get into something, I get into it. Like I want to yeah. be, yeah. and I wanted yeah. to make, oh, yeah. I wanted to make a record as when I started hearing this music. And I went to school with a girl who also was into this music. We were anomalies in our school. Uh, her name was Betty Boo. Uh, her rap name was Betty Boo. Her name's Alison. And we ended up starting a group together and we went to the Public Enemy concert at Hammersmith Apollo. And afterwards we met Public Enemy. We met some of the members of Public Enemy, Professor Griff and some of the S1Ws in McDonald's in Shepherd's Bush, which was wow. our local area. And we rapped for them and they videotaped it. And that video lives on YouTube and you can go and watch it. And nice. and she was one, one con incarnation of the group and there was another incarnation of the group without her. So, but like I said, that that's that's a long story. We're getting off track here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I bought this Muddy Fox off my friend, and um, I always I always kept a bike. And among my friends, I you know I I was the only one that ever rode a bike, and I just used my bike for errands. And whenever it got stolen, I would get a new one. And you know when I had my daughter. Because I was so passionate about riding bikes when I was young, I made sure she got the bike she wanted. I got her a BMX. It was not a great BMX. It was too heavy. Um, made sure she could ride a bike from when she was four. And when I was at uni studying, after I'd had my daughter, I was on the internet and I saw this thing called triathlon. Like, that's when I first learned about triathlon. I must have been about 26, 27 then. Well, see, I'm yeah. 54 now, but I did not do my first triathlon until I was 46. Um, in my mid-30s, I went to do a post-grad at um, a university, City University. The yeah. train fares had gone up, so I was like, I need to get a bike. I'm going to ride to uni in Islington from South London. So yeah. I bought a road bike off um, eBay. It cost 50 quid. And I bought a road bike because I saw J-Lo in a video. She did this parody of Flashdance. Uh, these are all my, like, 80s touch points. <laughs> parody of Flashdance. And she had a road bike. And I just thought, wow, that looks really cool. And Flashdance is a cool thing. Yeah. And so I bought the road bike. And I loved it. I never wore, like, Lycra, really, or anything. I just wore my normal clothes. Mm. I rode to uni and I came back. Yeah. And then I got a job in journalism um, I won't say where because you'll hate me. Uh, I got a job in journalism right. and I got the, on the cycle to work scheme and I got a specialized Dolce, a women's specific road bike. And in my mind, I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this triathlon thing. I'm going to do this triathlon thing. I never, I guess I was so busy with motherhood, with studying. You know, I did a three year degree, then I did a one year postgrad. I never really. I never heard about cycling clubs, nothing. The first time I saw women racing bikes was the 2012 Olympics. And I was like, oh, mm. wow, you, you could do this for a living. Uh, I felt kind of cheated because <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously I'm an athlete, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. ready. I was ready. But I, I felt kind of cheated because I'd never seen it before. Honestly, I, I'm trying mm. to think, had I seen it before then? But I watched all of the 2012 Olympics. I mean, I was still working in... Um, journalism then and it was just amazing to see and obviously Britain was 
doing really, really well. I would, yeah. had been commuting to work. I'd had a couple of accidents. Well, not accidents. I'd been knocked off my bike twice. After the 2012 mm-hmm. Olympics, it got so busy on the road, I actually stopped cycling yeah. for a few years. But then I signed up for my first, first triathlon when I was 46, and I completed it. Mm-hmm. And Nice sick. I felt like I wanted to do more. Hmm. Where and was the triathlon? It was the London triathlon. I did the sprint distance. Ooh. I mean, at that time I was kind of I was fit, but I wasn't a strong swimmer. I, I'm still not a strong swimmer. So, but I just mm. found a training plan on the internet and I trained for it in like eight weeks and I completed it. And the feeling I felt when I finished, when I got to the finish line, was a feeling that I don't think I had really felt for a long, long time. Yeah, it just felt nice. amazing. And then a couple of years later, I was starting to approach 50. And I, mm. in my mind, I just knew that there was something else out there for me. I'd done a long stint at a national newspaper, was showbiz yeah. editor online, was really, really successful, but really long hours, grueling, mm-hmm. grueling work. I mean, I, I had a great time. I, you know, traveled. I met celebrities. I met royalty. You know, I went to major war ceremonies. I, I, I really had a good time in that space. But then I got to a point where I knew that I just felt like I'm getting too old for this shit, you know. I enjoy <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, you know, because when you're a showbiz journalist, editor, there's a lot of drinking, there's a lot uh, of partying, you know, you're burning the candle both ends. I was in my mid-40s mm-hmm. by then. And I, I yeah. always liked fitness. So I thought mm. my next job, I want more work-life balance and I want to explore doing more of this triathlon stuff. And then I saw... Um, on Instagram, I saw this account, 10 Iron Women, and there was a group of women and they were training to do Ironman. And Ironman had always been like something in the back of my mind, like, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. insane. I'll probably never do it. <laughs> uh, but as I was approaching 50, I just felt like <laughs> I wanted to do something different. I wanted my life to be different. and But I didn't want it to be work-focused. I wanted it to be just focused on living and enjoying life. Yeah, so I decided to train for an Ironman because there's a lot of enjoyment in that. Not, uh, And then I signed up. I watched them do their training and I was really inspired by them. And I just thought, if if not now, when, you know, let me just do it. Yeah. And that is what brought me into contact with group cycling because I needed to find people to ride with to do the training yeah. rides. Yeah. Funnily enough, a guy that I grew up with, same estate, I bumped into him at a funeral, as you do, and he told me about a cycling group called Black Cyclist Network. And mm. you know, he said that he rode with them and they do um, sessions at Regent's Park and whatever, and that's that's how I met NJ. It's, and, that's facts. Facts. Yeah. And... I finally made it down to one of their sessions and that was the first cycling club I ever rode with. Amazing. And that was, they, sorry. 
they, saying they like, <laughs> sorry, I'm a little bit, I think I'm delayed again. But what, what I was going to say was the thing that I think NJ and I have talked about with people, lots of people, is is the fundamental thing that cycling is a bit, little bit of a loner pursuit. It's a bit of a solo endeavour. And you get on your bike or you commute or you do whatever you need to do. And then somehow the elevator doors open and people and that you find other people and you're like, you know, it might not be the first one might not be your best one. You might find another group or you might find another one, but the doors open, you go, Oh, I found my people here. These are the people I want to spend a lot of time with. I mean, obviously I rode with 10 iron women and I think my first long ride was with them and we went to Brighton and up until that point I'd only ridden from Vauxhall to Ealing and I found that challenging <laughs> you know and then uh, I got to Ditchling Beacon <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that question how did you find Ditchling <laughs> as soon as the road started rising I got off my bike I was terrified. Like, I was struggling. I struggled on that ride. It's, you know, it's like 50 miles. To me, that's that's nothing now. But I, str I struggled. I cried. You know, I cried before I even got to Ditchling. And, but I, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I wanted to get better. I wanted to get better. So then I started seeking out groups and places where I could learn more and get better and you know all credit to BCN they gave me the peek behind the curtain and once I yeah. saw it I was in I was in and I, I was like where has this been all my life and I think you know Cam you sort of mentioned about my experience as a, a black woman and as a woman in cycling I mean I think one of the major barriers to to women getting involved is is access to you know even just knowing about it me having yep. i grew up on, on a, an estate in west london in a city you know we had people rode bmx's there were choppers there were grifters no one rode a road bike i well n no one i knew rode a road bike I, I don't even really remember seeing them that much I know I was interested in things like Tour de France and whatever, but everyone was into football. We didn't have cycling clubs. No one came to talk to us about cycling clubs. I mean, we did, a, you know, the proficiency test at school on the bikes. Yeah. That was it, you know. There was no – I didn't really know about this whole world of cycling. I didn't know about clubs and and stuff. It just didn't exist. And I definitely think – that's a bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. But obviously it's changed now quite a bit. Um, and that's part of the reason why I share my stuff on Instagram, just to make it visible, just to make it mm. open, accessible, just to show women... Yeah and black women that look this is here and it's for you too you know if you want to get involved this is where it is this is how you get involved or you know just like when I started riding I saw accounts um there were other black women that were riding obviously before me people like Velo people like Yui Asandi people like Delilah Leckie 
um, you know, women like Phoebe Perry, um, loads of women. I, I, I saw their accounts and saw the things they were doing and thought, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. So I just think it's really important for women to share what they're doing because there are other women out there that, that want to do it. And, you know, you can really encourage someone to just get involved. Do you know what I will say is that, and we're going to mention my wedding again for probably the eighth time. Um, my mum, you know my mum, you've met my mum. Hi, mum. Yeah. She was in, she's inspired by you. She's inspired by you oh. and Jan. She's inspired by you. And she even said at my wedding, I don't, I'm going to embarrass her now, but it was a very heartwarming moment for me. She said, that's Donna, that's the Iron Empress over there, isn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I done it quite well. She came over and chat. And so, like, my mum, my who cycled from, she cycled Land's End to Lowestoft, so that's west to east. Um, wow. Yeah, you inspired her as well, for sure. So, yeah, oh, hats off to you, Don. Amazing. Oh, I appreciate that, you know. And I, I think, you know, as an older woman, I think, you know, I just show that you, you can do it. You can still do it. You know, if you if there's something out there that you want to do, you shouldn't let your age or, you know, your size or anything stop you from doing it. Yeah, I struggle at times, definitely. Like when we did a uh, Corba, I mean, it was tough. It was tough. But the main battle is in your is in your head. It's in your mind. You know, because definitely training for an Ironman definitely taught me that you have to train yourself to do these things. No one is born just being able to get up and get on the bike and ride 100 miles at speed and then be able to get off and run a marathon. You have to train your body and train your mind to know that you can do it. And, you know, when we go places like Girona, places that I just, I dreamt about going, and I know I've got to do some five-kilometre climb or something, you know, I have to I have to talk myself into it. I have to, you know, I have to give myself the pep talk. I have to have David Goggins in my ear shouting at me saying, <laughs> you know, don't, don't F word, F word or whatever it is he says. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's there for everyone. And I think, you know, with cycling, there's lots of different ways that you can cycle. So you can be a cat, you know, you can be a casual commuter, you can just do coffee rides, you know, ride with mates, you can be power meter, elite cyclists, you can enter sportives. But I really, I really want women to enter more events. That's because I feel like that's where the joy is, you know. I yeah, feel like yeah. that's where the real joy is. And you know, training for something, entering an event completing it, getting a medal. I mean, lots of my friends uh, are runners and, you know, a friend of mine, Charlie, he started Rundum Crew, which really revolutionised um, running club culture in, in the UK, worldwide. But mm. I, um, I never really, I never had the urge to run a marathon you know, yeah. I've never run a half marathon. I never ran a half marathon until I trained for Ironman. It's just, I liked running, but I never mm. wanted to run that far. But with cycling, I want to go far, you know. There's just something about it that I I enjoy it. I enjoy it more. I enjoy being outside. It's nice if it's warm, obviously. 
Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's even okay if it's cold, but I, I like going far on the bike. Well, look, maybe we use this opportunity to take a break and we can hear about Adonis making massive impact in other people's lives other than my mother. Welcome back, everyone. So you spoke about the the 10 iron women. How did, I guess, from what you were mentioning in section one to now, how has the, I guess, 10 iron women developed? Well, the first year that they took part in Ironman Barcelona, I think there was 10. The year that I did it, I think there was 12 of us. Then the year after that, I think there was, I can't remember how many there were, but I went back to Barcelona with them last year and there were 50 women signed up, more than 50 wow. women to do Ironman Amazing. And, um, you know, they really pushed hard to um, really raise the visibility of the work that they're doing mm-hmm. and to get more women on board. They've partnered with the Ironman um, organization and they made a film about 10 iron women uh which i was a part of also full steam mm-hmm. sport made a film about 10 iron women which Amazing. i was a part of and you know the the goal is to get 50 50 participation in an iron man event and you know What's, I can, do you know what the part uh do you know what the uh what the divide is at the moment um i think at the last, I, I'm I'm probably going to get that statistic wrong, but I will say that ten I'm I'm women were the biggest triathlon club at the event. But Amazing, huge. Yeah, it's it's definitely about. I don't even think it's twenty percent. Oh no! I don't on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just everybody just contributes to getting involved in sharing the message. And, you know, if I can help in any way that I can, I'm always very visible about the stuff that I do with them and the stuff that I do myself in triathlon, you know, um, like I said, I really think it's important for women to get involved in events, um, taking part in Ironman. It really was life changing for me because, Mm-hmm. Not only did it introduce me to cycling, which I absolutely love, but it just gave me just an amazing confidence at a time where I was changing in life as a woman. Like once you, you get to 50, you can go either way. You can start cozying up to the couch and think, all right, you know, I've worked really hard. I can yeah. take it down a notch. Or you can get adventurous with it. I mean, I have unique I have challenges um as a woman of a certain age you know I'm going through menopause and perimenopausal so that affects my training but younger women they have to deal with you know periods and stuff so at any stage of your life you're gonna as a woman you're gonna have particular challenges that a lot of male athletes won't have but I just feel like you know, being active is so important uh, for everyone, but especially for women, because we bear a lot of extra burden in this society. We need to have some time to ourselves, you know, to let off steam and 
get involved in things. And all the women that I know, especially in 10 other women, they're so strong, such amazing athletes. Mm. There's a lot of women that did uh, Ironman last year that never thought they would complete something like that. And I think when you... When you're raised in a society which is male-dominated, um, your competency is always questioned um, yeah. as a woman, as a black woman. I think more so than men. I've definitely grown up in a time where yeah. your competency is always questioned. So I just think, in general, women can sometimes lack... We don't have the same confidence as men because a man will be rubbish at something and will still sign up. <laughs> for an event you know <laughs> I, I've been on snowboarding trips where the guys hadn't ever had a snowboarding lesson and they still went to the top of the mountain you know, <laughs> a woman would never do that you know a woman would be I like, think we're just dumb Donna oh I didn't say it <laughs> I'm saying uh, it we're, we're, I didn't say we're fucking it fucking dumb <laughs> There's like this this mad, they'll just have a go, won't they? And that's what I think women need to, we need to have a bit more of that. Just have a go. It's okay to fail. It's okay to not get it the first time round. I mean, I DNF'd uh, my second Ironman attempt. The, you're asking me like, how do you, you know, get the confidence or train for something like that? You literally just have to build yourself from the ground up. You know, yeah. like I said, I'd never done a marathon. I'd never run a half marathon. I'd never swum more than 750 meters. I'd never biked more than 40 kilometers. I started mm. training the year before the pandemic. Was it the year before the pandemic? Yeah, I started in, in 2020. So March 2020. And mm -hmm. then it got postponed. And but I kept training, you know, went out riding with groups. I listened to um, mindset podcasts. I mm -hmm. listened to affirmations every morning. When I went running, I listened to podcasts about resilience, you know, all cyclists, Ineos people, whatever. Yeah. Anything I could to, like, feed my brain. You, you constantly have to be trying to override the messages that say, you're not going to do this, you can't do this. And yeah, and fear as well. The fear of not being able to complete it. So I just completed my sessions. You just keep ticking off the sessions. Keep to try to be as prepared as possible. I'm just, I'm not a super athlete at all. I'm quite strong because I've always trained. I've always done weights. I've always done a bit of something at some point. Mm. Um, and when I was young, I was always into sport, always into athletic. The movement has always been a part of my life in some form or another. I've had couch potato years where I've done nothing. But then once I started getting back into it, I was like, no, this is it. I have to stay fit. Because once you're fit, if you get unfit, it just feels horrible. You know what the feeling fit is like. So you don't want to ever get to that unfit point again because it's so hard to get mm. back there. I am back there though. But yeah, just keep ticking off the sessions and just build that resiliency, build it, and and maybe get there. when you um, 
So when you kind of first started, you know, with the 10 Iron Women and you started your first and, you know, now you're quite well experienced in doing the Ironman, doing the triathlon. Is there any advice maybe you'd give other than building your resilience to people getting into it? And they said, give it a go, build up the resilience. Is there any, you know, what would you say is the key to your success in, in kind of achieving what you've done so far? I think, I think you just got to start small, really. You just got to start small and don't, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, you don't have to have all the gear. You don't have to spend hundreds of pounds on, on all this new shit like I did. <laughs> um, just start small, um, join a community. Don't feel like, you know, you have to be alone and um, just enjoy it. My thing with anything that I do, any of the activities that I do, I have to find the enjoyment in it. I'm not one of those people that just wants to suffer, suffer, suffer and be unhappy. If there's not joy in it, there's no, for me, there's no point in doing it. So yeah, it's hard training and sometimes you don't want to do it and going up mountains is, is, is challenging, but at the same time, it's amazing, you know? So just always try and find the joy in, in what you're doing. I mean, ultimately I'm not doing it for kudos. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it to be fit and to yeah. keep moving you know through my older years I, I was really motivated actually because to stay active because my dad he had a stroke in his 50s he was a heavy smoker when he was a bit younger and you know it really affected his health and he was diabetic yeah and it affected his mobility and I, I saw how much he struggled with it I mean, he passed a few years ago now. Um, I saw how much it affected him mentally to be getting older and not be able to go and do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it because he was fiercely independent. So, mm. you know, I definitely made a promise to myself that I would really always focus on mobility, keep moving, just find something that, that I enjoyed to do and just keep doing it and uh, I'm lucky that I found that with um, cycling and triathlon. So maybe kind of moving on some of the the work you do with Fettel right uh, I was seeing I think I saw I think I've seen you in count and a few adverts not least some um, maybe from one of cycling's biggest uh, retailers but maybe you can Tell us some of the work that you're doing with, with Fettel Bikes, Donna. Well, um, I met Jada on a panel talk and Ilma, who also works at Fettel, she was yeah. one of the first uh, women that I met in cycling and she was a ride leader uh, at Rafa, the Shoreditch. Was it Shoreditch? The Shoreditch branch um, that they used to have. Uh, yeah, the one in Spitalfields Market. That's it, Spitalfields. And we used to go to um, Lee Valley. They used to do community rides to at Lee Valley Track, Velo Park. And, yeah, after I met Jada, we did this panel talk. She, she approached me to, to be an ambassador for the brand. Fettel is a 
own, you know, it's owned by a woman in cycling, which is a rarity. And, you know, they're very much part of the cycling community. They like to, they do a lot of initiatives. They do um, workshops to teach women how to look after their bikes and stuff. And yeah, you know, part of my role is really just to highlight women in cycling and highlight the stuff that I'm doing in cycling. Um, they look after my bikes when I'm doing events and stuff, when I'm racing, which is really, really helpful. And, um, you know, I, I use my platform really even before I got involved with people like Fettel or Rafa. I use my platform just to encourage women to ride bikes. And I really want women at any age to really take this up you know and the younger you are the better yeah. I mean, you'll you'll have you have more time to enjoy it um mm. but also if you're not young you can still enjoy it and i think that's something that really resonates with fettle we, we are gonna we are talking about doing some events later this this year but we haven't uh as yet locked down what we're gonna do but ilma and i will be talking um, because I, I want to do some stuff in the community, especially the community where I live uh, in Vauxhall, because I feel like these are the sort of areas where th there's just no real um, awareness yeah. of the world of cycling. And, and that's you want to get the kids young, you know, you want to get them involved. I see, you know, kids around cycling and stuff and learning to cycle, but yeah, we're just down the road from Hearn Hill, uh, the velodrome, and it would be great to get some of them down there. And I know that um, there's a few initiatives running. TWR, they do an initiative where they're training the kids yeah. at the velodrome and they specialise. UE's done something. And, you know, the more the merrier, you know. Uh, Bricks and Cycles do a lot of work in the community as well. Um so yeah, you know, I think it's it's important for everyone to do their part, and you know, I'm happy to be involved where I can and where you know I can lend support. I will. I mean, I, I what I will say isn't this is as terrible as this. It, the cycling world, frankly, hasn't moved on. Let's just call a spade a spade, and that it's still mainly white middle class Europeans that are male. That are that are cyclists, right? And it's that's just endemic. But the fact that if anyone goes into a bike shop, that you modern bikes, any bikes, you really don't know what you're doing, and you're at the mercy of a bike mechanic. Yeah, yeah. To it to an extent, to an extent, it's like taking your car around. It's like taking your car around, and you go, my mm -hmm. car's broken. I don't know how to fix it. You know. Mm -hmm frankly those are the skills that are there and maybe the inherent problem with cycling is is it's is it's gender issue and it's and it you know that's what it really comes yeah. down to i feel so fettle sounds like they're really important to it yeah I, you know and i think the fact that it's a, a female owned business it does to a certain extent um you know there's an awareness that that is an issue um so you don't necessarily you don't get that type of uh, treatment when you go there and I mean, me personally, um, I got I got a Cannondale 
uh, Super Six Evo. I had that a few years ago when I started um, doing triathlon. And yeah, it was nice, but I bought it too big. <laughs> I bought yeah. it a size too big. And I, I never looked after it. I never did anything to, before I got my SL6, I didn't even clean a chain, you know. <laughs> I just, I, I never, I never looked after my bikes, but then I just thought, oh, I spent a lot of money on this bike. I need to understand how it works, you know. I need to look after it. And, um, I need to learn about it. And and so that's what I did. And But, yeah, you just, it doesn't, it, like you said, same with a car. Well, I never knew anything about cars. But you kind of have to understand a little bit about what you're, you know, what you're talking about when you go to a bike shop you can't just stay ignorant about things like that yeah i i I don't think and i do you know i i I often speak to other other women and i'll be like you know obviously in cycling there's a lot of people giving you information i definitely found that in the beginning and there's a lot of information out there yeah, there's a lot of information out there. And of course, you know, some of it is useful when you're you're in a group setting for people to share information or for you to have people to to ask questions of, you know. But definitely as a woman, there's a lot of times when guys just force information on you. It's so it can be really annoying. I was talking to somebody that that we Donna, I know that you know, and I and we know we definitely know this person. She told me that she was once in Richmond Park. Someone saddled alongside her and gave her some advice about her cadence, even though she actually races bikes. We all, all actually all two of us know her very well. We're all both of us are very good friends yeah. with this girl. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that sort of thing. You know, seats too low. Or, oh, why have you got? this on your bike why have you got that on your bike like ah <laughs> kill me now <laughs> but um yeah i mean like you said you know cycling for a long time has been has been really dominated by um one image and you know i think that's people are can be quite down on social media but this is what i think is the great thing about social media is that you can put your own image out there, you know. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's that's just what I've done. I've just put myself out there. I put myself in the picture because I'm the type of person that you know, the way that um, I've lived my life is there's not a room that I don't feel like I belong in. There's not a place that I don't feel that I can't go. To be honest. And, you know, if I don't know about it, I don't know about it. But once I know about it and I want to be there, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm going to open the door yeah. myself. You know, I'm not going to wait for the invitation. And um, I think that's what it is with cycling. Obviously, the pandemic and um, that was a bit of a doorway for a lot of people to get involved. And you know, that's how I ended up being with Chang'an Cyclists because they were formed during the pandemic. Um, Yannick and Chris, you know, 
started this cycling group and when I was training for Ironman I could see them out there having fun and I was kind of like in the dying the last phase of my training so I couldn't really um I was training on my own then to get used to just being out on doing 100 miles on my own and but I said yeah when I finished I'll come and join you guys for a ride because they did always just look like they were having fun as soon as I finished it was a and I, I I rode with them at Friday laps and stuff and we just had such a great time you know we just clicked instantly and you know out of something so awful something really amazing uh, has just bloomed and yeah. you know we, we're all part of this community that's just full of really inspiring people um they love to create adventures for us and take us away, take us to the Isle of Wight, take us to Girona. Like we are having just the best time with them. And yeah, I just love being a part of that group. How, how, how do you balance the CDC fun with, I guess, future training? Have you figured that one out? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> well I mean last year last year was a challenge because obviously the first the first event that I did the Ironman that was all I was focused on and then um that was 21 I I actually can't remember what I did in 2022 what did I do in 2022 I did a half Ironman distance Cotswolds classic and I did ride london and some i did half marathon i did some smaller events but i only did a half yeah. distance that was manageable then this year i was training last year i was training for for ironman um and we we went to Girona, and then i went to scotland and did nc 500 with 10 iron women so that was kind of like training but i don't feel like i really got the balance right of my training but also I had an injury with my knee, so I couldn't do enough running. So that that was a problem as well. And I had a couple of periods where I had to rest. Um, but yeah, I on my Strava, it said that cycling was the majority of my training last year. Swimming was like 15%. <laughs> <laughs> running was less <laughs> running was less so yeah it, it is it is a challenge but um this year I'm I'm not going to do a full Ironman I'll do a half probably around July and I, th- I think that will be manageable we're going to Girona in April I'm doing Ride London in May um do you, okay. do you ever set yourself targets, uh, I guess, with Girona and Ride London to be better your time or do you just enjoy, I guess, the participation in, I guess, the participation in Ride London and then, I guess, everyone will go up Rock Corbin. I mean, again, so. no, I definitely will set myself yeah. a target to go faster um, yeah. at Ride London. Yeah, I mean, it's it's closed roads, isn't it? So it's nice to sort of yeah. challenge yourself a little bit. I mean... I did I did have a stop last year, so maybe I'll just try and do, you know, a quick ten minutes this year and I'll I will cut my time. But it is it is good to see like, you know, I know Strava can be a bit wanky and whatever, but it is good to see, especially for me as an older woman, that oh, I'm faster than I was two years ago because 
most people are slowing down, you know, they're not getting faster, but you know, my, my mentality is, well, what can I do to make myself get a little faster or, you know, go a bit harder? So yeah, when we go back to Girona, I'll definitely be trying to, I think I definitely was faster last time when I went, but you know, um, I, I do challenge myself, but I don't beat myself up. No, yeah. I do beat myself up. I'm lying. I'm absolutely <laughs> lying. <laughs> I'm absolutely lying. <laughs> but then I always try to think of, well, what can I do to get a bit better? You know, can I clean up my diet? Can I get better sleep? Can I train a bit more consistently? And And I think that's how cycling just gets you. You just what can I do to get better? I mean, I heard Gareth Winter talking about marginal gains, but then if you're not doing the maximal thing, yeah, very, really very interesting stuff. But, yeah. you know, the, the people that are, I'm around, they're so supportive that you never really ever feel too bad if you're not on the same level, you know, and they, they do inspire you to to go harder as well. Yeah. I feel like I'm so just. When running. are we going to see? I want to <laughs> no. know when. When we're going to see, when? When are we going to see at North London Hills CGC? That's the real question. I'll, I'll be big. at the next one. I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. Oh. I'll be at the next one because I'm gonna, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm going to. Being re- to, this is being recorded on the 15th of January, so mm-hmm. that's going to be the. Maybe the 28th? Yeah, 28th. Yes, every two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to start a slower group for me, but I need to do it. I need to start getting up some hills. When I I went to Scotland, it was absolutely amazing training. It was. And doing that straight after Girona was, it was tough. It was really tough, but it's a place that I'd always wanted to go. You know, you see Scotland, you know that it's tough cycling there. I want to go Yorkshire as well. Um, oh, I love Yorkshire. So yeah, and Wales. Although when I went in, when I went to Yorkshire in like September, it was two degrees. It was, I, I was like, I'm ready for the sun, and there was no sun. It was just like. But because I was there, I took my bike. I was like, I have to go out. So I did like some like 80K loop uh, yeah. in just basically like the rain on carbon rims. Well, I think uh, so you like, know you're not going to get sun. You can you do it. Yeah. You know you're not going to get sun. They say it's God's county, don't they? Maybe God don't like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just one of those places that I imagine it's always grey. Sorry, Yorkshire people. When I explain France to my in-laws, they always say to me, because uh, they live in the south of France, right, where it's like 40 degrees or it's snowing. People go, people are either skiing or playing handball, I guess. And um, they always, I, the way I explain them is, oh, no, London's not rainy and it's not sunny. It's just grey. It's a gris. And they're like, what do you mean it's grey? I'm like, no, no, no. It's, it, 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 I can only describe it as grey. It's slightly humid, not hot, not cold. It's just grey. It kills me Either. that greyness. Yeah. It really Either does. Hit them with all of like all all of the terms for weather, like muggy. Try and explain what muggy is. <laughs> uh, so uh, previously, Dodo, you were talking about, I guess, finding a, a place to fit in, and one of our previous guests was uh, Miles. 
who yeah. set up the Cycling Culture Club. Uh, can you? And uh, you just recently had a, I guess, the the post on their their, I guess, collective. So, uh, do you want to speak about that? Yeah, I mean, Miles. I met Miles actually. I did some mm-hmm. freelance PR work at the company that he works at, and then we sort of stayed in touch since then. And yeah, he's he's getting together a blog and possibly a podcast. And he's asked quite a few of us from you know our cycling community to get involved. I mean, I'm a journalist by trade, and obviously, I do write stuff on Instagram. You know not super long stuff but yeah you know I'm keen to write some stuff about my love of cycling and you know where I fit in in this community and stuff and one thing I definitely feel that's important that I've noticed since I've been a part of the community is that obviously a lot of the voices that come out of the community are male um and I really feel like women need to uh get more involved in talking about cycling, writing about cycling, podcasting about cycling. Like we need to raise our voices in this community. I mean, I I, I write, I've always written. So for me, it's, it's not yeah. a big leap to get involved in something like this. You know, cycling, cycling has changed. There is more diversity of thought in cycling now there's diversity of age shape race gender um you know sexuality and everybody needs to be able to express themselves in this in this community i i remember when i first got involved and i realized that there wasn't a women's tour de france race i couldn't believe it I was like, you what? Yeah. It's 2019. <laughs> I was like, but it was really noticeable how divided by gender and it was in with the athletes, you know, with the actual elite elite riders. All it honesty, was, if they wanted to if they wanted to make a proper impact on the women's tour de France, you would so the the Wens Tour de France, obviously it goes through where, my, where Clarice is from. There's like a rolling roadblock for kind of three hours either side. So you can't get on the road three hours before. Actually, as soon as it goes past, you can get on the road straight away. It's just maybe it's a kilometer. Mm. What they do in the Women's Tour de France is um, everybody comes to France to watch the tour. And then a week later they go, oh, by the way, the Tour de France is starting for women. But, but the caravan's already left. Yeah, like Tour de France realistically can squeeze in either the women after, typically not before, yeah. because the presentations happen at eight and, you know, the men are out at nine. But what do you do? You say to the women, OK, the Tour de France typically finishes at three in the afternoon, four in the afternoon, a stage. So the women an hour, an hour before or an hour after, there's the presentation. And then you get the same people on the road. You get the same people coming mm-hmm. out. You get the same exposure for sponsors. I mean, why aren't you running it? <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's, it's it's just you know, it's just so sexist. It's very it like is. I just the attitude of the um, some of these organisations. Just, just I remember when there was 
there was this one guy, you probably know who he is, and he was just so derogatory about women athletes and so dismissive. And he was never going to set up a women's team. And I was just like, what century are we in? This is, right. this is crazy. But, um, yeah, I think with Cycling Culture Club, it's, it's just going to be really, really good to have a diversity of perspectives, different different people talking, you know, about their experiences in cycling. I think, you know, for myself, I've been very lucky because um, at the point where I started to get involved in cycling, the people were there for me, you know, uh, the community was there for me, the culture was there for me. Uh, you know, like I said, BCN offered me the peek behind the curtain, um, that it was the perfect storm of lockdown and lots of different groups springing up. I rode with TWR, um, another group that sprung up out of lockdown. Um, I rode with No Limit and 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 CGC and just and Rafa doing the laps on a Friday. I I did it the women's laps. I met uh, Jess quite early on as well. I was it was just one of those things where the door opened and I was able to go from place to place to place to place. And now, I, I mean, I, you're a veteran in this cam, so you know what cycling looked like before 2020. So do you think it looks massively different now? Uh, yes. And I think culturally the world is better for it. NJ and I, uh, are both slightly cycling snobs, and I, I know that you and I have talked about <laughs> this before. But what I will say is crucial is the fact that cycling used to be the sport that your dad did, and all the clothes, you know, there weren't women's bikes, and bikes weren't accessible for people. If you were to, it's still a thing today. It's a bit, it's getting better. The fact that if you buy a women's bike, it comes with 42 centimeter bars, which are far too wide. And as soon as you yeah. buy a bike, and as soon as you buy a bike that fits you height wise, doesn't fit you width wise because of yeah. the bar and stem. Women have typically have shorter torsos, so they need the stem changed. The seats aren't correct for women on bikes. It's not just a, a women's bike, it's a small bike. Like if you buy a 52 centimetre bike, why do you need 42 centimetre bars? You don't need it. Nobody does, you know, so they, they shouldn't sell it with that. But in yeah, terms of diversity a... as well, though, in terms of diversity, it's so much better than it is now. Mm. It used to be Regent's Park used to be barristers. Den Sorry, anybody's a barrister, but it was <laughs> your very typical upper middle class people mm -hmm. on Pinarellos talking about Campagnolo versus Shimano, talking about watching the Tour de France. There was no diversity. It was very, very boring and there was no new ideas. Cycling was very stagnant, frankly, until the pandemic happened. There was nothing mm -hmm. pushing it forward. So if you think about it in phases, you had, Gareth said it on his one, which was, you know, you had Chris Boardman happening in the 90s. Then you had Team Sky. And then Team Sky became every Brit's favourite cyclist. Every cycling team, sorry. 
But there was no diversity in Team GB. There was no diversity in, in Team Sky. Yeah. And I then did, the pandemic happened. And then it was, you then it was, this is that. I still think it's scandalous Team Ineos slash Team Sky haven't got a women's team. It is like, yeah. What, Unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do find it really exciting the amount of uh, women that are involved in cycling. Like Coach Watto, he does his training sessions on a Wednesday and Thursday that I never attend because it's at 6 a.m. I mean, <laughs> it's 6 a.m. <laughs> Not, every, not everyone can get up early. I, I just can't do it at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. You know, I, I love to see, like, the girls racing. And, you know, we've been – I've been to quite a few of the races, Hearn Hill, Hillingdon, and uh, a few – it's just such an exciting thing to see. And I love to see all the women that are involved with it um women of all ages um shout out to my friend tam who is post 50 still racing she's amazing. amazing um yeah so i just i just think i just love it i love everything about it and you know my my role i think is very very small in this whole thing of cycling this this community of cycling is is very small but if i can encourage someone to you know get the confidence to get on a bike then you know that's that's i'm happy to do that you know this a win it's a win it's a win for me it's a win for her and it's a win for cycling well maybe we can end section two and head to q a with donna thank you Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the third section at the Q&A with Donna. Uh, so, Donna, maybe the first question we'll have with you, you're London-based. Where are you typically hanging out when you're riding? Are you, because you're south of the river, are you more Richmond or are you more for vibes and regions? What's your what's your crack there? So, to be honest, I only really go to Richmond when we're meeting up, when we do brunch rides. I, I don't go there enough. Uh, I... I tend to more go to Regents. Um, I just think it's just more accessible, easier. Plus we have like our planned sessions on Tuesdays. So even if I don't make 6am, I might get there for seven. Like when I'm properly on it, I like to do Tuesday, Friday, maybe something Saturday and definitely the club ride Sunday. Um, Richmond is good because it's got, a, you know, it's got a couple of hills in there, so it's good for training. But I generally spend more time at Regents, and, and I like it, especially in the summer because you go there, you'll see, you know, somebody from CGC, Laws bump into someone, and then I can just stop at Rafa on the way home, get a coffee, and then I'll be home in ten minutes from Rafa. Nice. Do you think there's more of a, a pro look in Regents or or Richmond as well? Pro look. Yeah. I think I think more Richmond. Plus in Richmond, I think some of the cyclists are a bit more aggressive. And and I'll just leave that there. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let it sit. We're letting it sit. We'll get into that later. Sick that. But um no, I I I think Regents definitely can be intimidating for people, like when you're new to it. 
I wasn't really intimidated, but I I don't know if it's because of my age or whatever. Like, I don't really give a shit. You know, I think there's there, there is a lot of posturing in cycling and maybe I do some of it myself. But, <laughs> but there is a lot of posturing in cycling, but I really just always try to just not care about it. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if I'm not wearing things the right way. I don't care if my bike doesn't look exactly how you think it's supposed to look. You know, it's like, it's nobody's business, is it? Just leave people, let let people live. Um, I, I, I will go Regents and just cycle on my own. And, yeah. you know, I always have done since since I started going there. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned... Uh having a coffee in Rafa, is that your favourite cafe or is there other cafes out there that people should look out for? Um, is it my favourite? I mean, my favourite cafe is just the cafe I can take my bike inside. And <laughs> there's not <laughs> many of those in London. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not leaving my bike on the road for nobody. I used to really like uh, Look Mum No Hands, but I, I, do, I do like Rafa because I like the coffee. And um, now that since they changed it, because a couple of years ago it wasn't that great, and you know, you know, yeah, good vibes. Casey will always come in at some point. You can guarantee if you're <laughs> in Rafa, Casey's going to tell you. Uh, he lives right? in there, doesn't he? Right. So. Um, yeah, I don't really have a favourite cycling cafe in London because I don't really go to any others. Um, it's just really just the Rafa Cafe. Um, outside London, obviously, Cinnamon Cafe is great. And um, I really like the cafe we used to go to in the Chilterns because uh, the guy there was really nice. He was really welcoming. I can't remember what it's called now. That's how much I liked it. I can't remember the name at all. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but is um, it when uh, the CGC did the Chilterns ride? I don't think I've ever done it, so I'm not sure what the cafe is. Yeah, yeah, it, it's closed down now, sadly. It's oh. Yeah, but yeah, the Chilterns ride's really, really good. Um, and I was going to say I like the cafes in Girona, but there's one cafe in Girona that I like. Um, it's it's not eat sleep cycle. <laughs> that's all so, i'll say <laughs> uh so usually on this section i'd ask i'd ask the guest what their dislikes in cycling are but i know that you have put out a post about your the kind of six dislikes so mm-hmm. i thought we'd, we'd go through them so the first know. one is uh the constant talking about weight uh yeah which i think is a quite quite a very it's quite toxic within, yeah. Toxic. Yeah. Talk the, the thing is, obviously, everybody is entitled to discuss their own weight, but people will try and discuss your weight. Like, hold up, hold up, hold up a minute. Like, <laughs> there's a line. <laughs> My weight is not up for public discussion. No one's weight should be up for public discussion. Someone's had know. this conversation. Someone's tried to have this conversation with you. No. I've been told, like, oh, you just need to lose 
lose, you know, yeah, I've been told by men in cycling about losing weight to my face. But it, it, Why are men so weird? I don't know. The thing is, you know, people will say, oh, context, oh, they didn't mean it and whatever. But the thing, the, before he said, you just need to lose some weight, he said, oh, you've got faster. And then he said, if you lose a bit more weight. But I had got faster without losing weight. So That's fucked up. Yeah, so it's, it's that sort of thing. <laughs> and And I've heard it said to, yes, I've heard it said to men as well, but. I just think it's not kind, you know. It's kind yeah. of rude. Um, I don't like that. I don't like the constant talk about weight. I don't like people saying stuff like, oh, I've got to earn my cake. It's kind of like you don't need to earn your cake. You're earning your cake. If you're riding 100 kilometres, you you need to eat, if, you know. If anything, people are under eat all the time. Yeah, all the time. I see it on rides and... You know, I obviously I'm a ride leader as well, and I I have to encourage people to eat. But then obviously you get to a point where you have to have an awareness of well, maybe they've got an eating disorder, so you can't push people, but you can just tell the ones that are going to bonk because they're not eating. And then if they they bonk, they can be dangerous to others. This is what people don't understand, yeah. you know, because you haven't got full concentration, so you haven't got full con control of the bike there's a wobble you go into someone they're going to hit the ground but yeah people people there's an there's an obsession with it but yeah i, I have been told by people about my, and and that's just to me that's just beyond the pale you don't yeah. get to say that to me just because you ride a bike or i ride a bike no and you know the reality is like coming into cycling you know, as a black woman who's curvy, um, like a lot of black women are, not all black women, but a lot of black women are, you know, cycling clothes are very unforgiving, you know. Um, also, you're on a bike, so people are seeing you from behind all the time, you know. It's it's uncomfortable. It's something you do have to get used to, Um even though I, I was used to wearing lycra and stuff from going to the gym, but yeah. still wearing cycling clothes, it's it, it can be it's a bit stressful at first. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit stressful, but you get used to it. So you could a lot of people are conscious about their shapes, you know, especially if you're around people that are thin. A lot of people that are thin, not just like one or two, but a lot of people. And so you stand out. You know, most people don't really want to stand out. Or, you know, especially not for having, like, the biggest bum in the group or whatever. So for someone to then point it out to you, it's, it's like, it's, it's, yeah. it, you it's don't know nice. what you're doing to that person. Like, have some empathy, have some compassion, have some sense, you know. You, don't, you just don't know what people are going through. So, yeah, don't, don't talk about people's weights. It's rude. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. So, point two. Assuming people who wear a certain brand are snobby or wanky. Yeah. I think I, I've, I felt like I got a lot of... Um, not a lot. Not, not, it wasn't even criticism, but people noticed 
people would mention that I was wearing Rafa or, you know, no, I was mainly wearing Rafa. People would always mention that I was wearing Rafa. I came, first came across Rafa around, I don't know, it might be 2011, 2012, when I, yeah. I had a road bike and I was looking for stuff because I was commuting to work. And, you know, I looked in the Evans and some of them didn't even have clothes for women. And then the clothes that I saw were ugly. And I've, I've always been someone that's been into fashion and clothes and trainers, streetwear, you know, since the 80s. Um, so I saw some Rafa in a newspaper and I thought, oh, that, that looks really good. Yeah, that's that's kind of, that's a bit of me. So I got a few bits from there. And also when you're a curvy woman, it, you can't just go and buy anything. We know that cycling kit is notoriously cut small. Brands like yeah. Castelli are known for being really small. Like an XL Castelli, I don't think would fit me. And um, so the actual choice of what a curvy woman can wear is is quite narrow. And I also I found that rougher stuff always fitted me, but it just seems to in cycling it is very tribal, I notice. Like you yeah, either wear don't rougher, or you don't or you wear map or you wear pasnormal. The pasnormal people don't talk to the rougher people. The rougher people don't talk to the map. It's just so hard. It's so fucking hard. It's like what being like, like, that? I, like it's like I wear Nike, so I'm not going to speak to anyone who wears Adidas. <laughs> this is crazy. All right, yeah, because I always used to wear Adidas and then switch to Nike. But I think it's like that in the running world as well. Like the people, the, the people that run, they kind of band up according to whether they wear Nike or Adidas or on running. Yeah. Is it's, it's a bit mad, you know. I'm always like Chanel and Versace exist in the same universe. Like, why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i don't really i don't really look at like what the manufacturer is when i buy kit i'm just like oh that looks nice and i'll just buy it and i wear like mismatched kit because i'm like i know it's going to annoy someone and deep down that's all i care about yeah. is annoying someone on a, on a group ride it'll get get in their heads get in their heads <laughs> i never used to like wear mi mismatched kit but now i i really don't give a shit yeah it's quite fun yeah. i do it all the time i don't I'm, I'm, care I'm, it's rare that you'll see me in all of like one brand because I'm like I'm not a sponsored athlete, so why would I do it? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like, probably. Oh, I have no idea what you're talking. I have no idea what you're talking about there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he's a snob. He's, he's definitely a snob. They call but him Map Allen for a reason. <laughs> we still love him. We still love him. But to be fair, like you know, you, you should just wear whatever you like. Wear whatever you like. This is what I bought recently. That? What is that? If you, this is, is a spats. spats, a spats aero sock, mate. I haven't ridden a bike properly in, in three months because my bike's currently broken. I've got that. What have I got? I've got some pop cycling bidons that have arrived. I've got two 3D printed saddles. One of them is going to go back. <laughs> but <laughs> I need one of those. I you need can have one this one. This is a physique one. Oh, this is getting soft the rails if you're not watching this um <laughs> i bought a chinese alibaba one for 50 quid actually pretty good i remember uh, physique is any good one this uh, if you like the psa for anyone listening if you like the s works wider ronin saddle this is good 
I prefer the that's what I need. longer one. We'll talk I'll after. You, uh, I'll send you to this on the post. We'll talk after. Okay. Uh, so on. three aggression. We'll just aggression. Yeah. Mainly male cyclists, but we'll just go just a gen. Well, we know it's male cyclists, so aggression aggressive male cyclists. cyclists. Yeah. It, it happens, you know, it happens. Someone will, you know, maybe you'll make a mistake. We're all human, you know, just because we're cyclists, we're not perfect. And, but I remember I was in Richmond Park one day, I was with Lisa, Lisa C. And, um, yeah, we, we, you know, they put those stupid gates at the bottom of the hill. Oh, yeah. Just on that little roundabout. So we we slowed down, but we kept going. There were pedestrians to the right, but I saw them. You know, I looked. Obviously, I looked. Yeah. They were nowhere near us. And we're riding and we're chatting. And this guy just comes up to me and starts screaming. Oh, you didn't see these people. On a bike. Yeah, he was on a, he was on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Random. Yeah, he was running really fast. Just yeah. screaming and... I was like, don't shout at me. Don't shout at me. Like, you can talk to me, but don't shout at me. And I just think, like, if he if that had been a man he did that to, that I don't know what men are like in general, but I'm sure that would have been a fight. I know some men that that would have been a fight straight off. Like, who who are you talking to? I don't think he would have done it if it was a man, (laughs) if I'm being honest. You know, people are like, oh, cyclists are really friendly. But, you know, I know in London, people are just a bit more aggressive, aren't they? Yeah. And in all walks um, of life, there's going to be dickheads. Yeah, exactly. And I just think sometimes people are just a bit entitled. They just, you know, obviously, I, I don't look like an, uh, somebody maybe who's been riding for 30 years you know who who races or what who's got a ftp or i don't know what what the ftp is but or 300 watts of power but you know i i am a person you know i deserve to be on the road i'm entitled to be on the road just as much as you um you don't have the right to scream at me just because i'm doing something you don't like um, I think it's disrespectful. And I, I've spoken to other women cyclists and, you know, they've experienced aggressive behaviour from cyclists, from drivers, you know. It's, it's it's bad sometimes, you know, on the road because you're getting it from all sides. You're not just getting it from the drivers. You're getting it from the cyclists too. It's like, <laughs> who's on my side, you know? <laughs> uh, get no wins. No wins. I'm going to – you didn't i don't think you've written this but i'm just gonna lob it in what i hate is when i'm in a group and we're just chatting and then like two women will cycle past us and then the people on the front who are usually guys can't deal with it and then they'll like speed up i'm like why are we speeding up like it doesn't matter we're chatting here it's just like why are we doing this just yeah let, like they call, it, us. they call it being uh chicked apparently because i i heard somebody uh use that phrase but basically it's when a woman passes you and then yeah then the man decides yeah don't worry i i know all about that one and um it 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 happens all the time it it does happen and other girls have complained of it 
complain about it. When I did a solo ride to Windsor, which is probably the only, the longest solo ride I've done apart from in my events. And, you know, I passed this guy and and then he passed me and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to pass you again. You know, because they pass and then they slow down. And that happened to Ride London as well. That, That was happening so much the first time I did it. But I'm like, I'm, I'm just a bit ignorant, you know, and I just shout at them. I like, I say to them, if you're going to pass me, you need to maintain the speed because I'm going to pass you. And a lot of the times they just, some of them, they don't even say when they're going to move. They just cut in front of you and just really poor riding. Another thing that some of these guys do is when you're going uphill, I don't know if this happens to you, but they will just get on your wheel let you pull them up and then you get near the top and then they just run at the end. <laughs> no, they just come out, just come out. You didn't even know they were there. Just some guy sitting on your ass. A friend of mine told me about it's that. Creepy. She was cycling, like cycling in like Yorkshire or something and said that she would just turn around. There was just a bloke there. Didn't even bother to say hello. She's on her own. I've had it happen to me where someone just sits on my wheel and I'm like, it's, Turn around so you want to say hello, but like, yeah, she told me she he was on her wheel for like ten kilometers. He just sat there, didn't say anything, just stared at her bum. It's weird. It's weird. I, you know the etiquette, right? You don't just jump on someone's wheel like that, do you? Like, even if you're if you're in Regent's Park and there's like a little group going around, I think that's okay. Just about as long as you don't impede them, as long as you don't like, but just someone on their own. It's just this weird behavior, man. Yeah, when I was doing, I guess, my threshold efforts in in Regis Black Inners, inners, this guy just sat on my wheel. I went, uh, I'm doing a training session, just so you know. So I'll be like going hard for 15, like, we're going to be like going pretty hard. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I'd go hard for 15 minutes and then rest five minutes in between. And then I slowed down to like, like a hundred watts basically. And then he just slowed down as well with me. And then when I went fast again, he was on the back. So I was like, I was just like, this is really odd. And then like big T came in and then was just like, Oh, who's your mate? And I was like, I don't know. I've never met this guy before. He, I've like, I've, I've been here for like, I've done a 45 minute threshold session with like rest in between. He's just been sat on my wheel. And it was like, what? <laughs> it was just like, there's b- bizarre behavior out there. That is, that is strange behavior. Yeah. So on the, uh, number four is about brands not making clothes to fit body. Uh, I think you just sort of covered that with Rafa. Yeah. So we'll go on to unsolicited advice. We mentioned That's it earlier, good. but we can go a bit more deep. Yeah. Um, your seat's too low is a common refrain, isn't it? I think every woman's heard that. Um, just you know, any group ride that you go on. I When I did London to Paris the first year, one of the, um, I'd had my bike serviced. And, but then the next day got up, the disc brake was squeaking or something. You know, it's making a noise. I think everyone's discs squeak, don't they? <laughs> I, I can't remember if it had rained overnight or something, but the, the bikes were in like a, a tent covered place yeah. that security watched the bikes. So I have no idea. There was just a bit of grit on it or something. 
And this guy was like, oh, you need to learn how to change your, your disc brake pads. It could also not be the pad. It could be like contamination on the, the disc, it, isn't it? That's it's what I think a lot of things. That's exactly what it was. I said, it's just been serviced. The brake pads are new. But, all right, that's a minor. But, but just, you just always do just get unsolicited advice. It, I think for me, it's calmed down a lot. Yeah. In people always assume if people don't know you, it's not necessarily definitely not in CGC because people know me. But when you're going to ride with other groups, people treat you like you don't know anything about cycling. It just it's just their manner, their attitude, or oh, so you know where where do you ride normally? And when you tell them like oh, <laughs> uh, I, I can't think of any really good examples of unsolicited advice. Well, apart from yeah, yeah I think it just happens. They'll you, just like tell you about what it'll be like on on stuff like roots or why have you got a wahoo when you should have this garment because this garment does this and you're like i don't care <laughs> i don't care uh, yeah exactly it's like <laughs> or 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 your bottle your bottles don't match <sighs> i don't care like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah know. i think the only thing i'm guilty of is telling people like nutritional wise what to do because i'm like just put carb in your bottles just please do that like and then you don't have to worry about eating. It's like right. you're, you're drinking and you're fueling. That's all like, because that's what I do. And I find it's just like so much more easy than being like, oh, I got to eat this flatjack and remember, because it's like, all I have to do is drink two bottles and that's done me for like, they both got 80 grams of carbonates. So that's what, yeah. two, three hours worth of like something I don't have to worry about. So I'm just like, if people just do that, but people get weird about like, I have to have a 500 milliliter bottle on my bike and not 750 and stuff like that. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, Cam. Just get the 750. People. Carb yourself Cam. up to the, to the no, eyes. No, 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 no. It's 500 on nothing. <laughs> I'm, not nah. having, I'm not having, I'm not having, I'm not having a, I'm not having a thermos of, of hey, fuel on my bike. If Poggy can do it in the Tour de France, so can you. He's overrated like Remco. <laughs> I only use a 750 when I'm doing um, the long distance stuff. But, to um, be honest with you, the reason I do the 500 is is actually maths. It's just maths. Because two 500 bottles is always going to be a litre. So I, I can only ever... So then I don't have to think about, oh, is that a litre and a half? Or I've had a quarter of that bottle, so I've had a... 750 plus a liter of fluid and it's just for me it's just another thing i because i don't eat enough on the bike fundamentally so if i know i've got the 500 oh, i, I know that's a liter and i know it's I, I just i think i just forget and i've so even got i've even <clears throat> i've even got beeps on my wahoo like eat and i'm like oh shut the fuck up i'm trying to ride my bike i have that that's that's revolutionary that's revolutionary that that uh along yeah there. i don't do the beeps i, I just just constantly because when you're in a group i'm always just like everyone's always fucking hammering it so i'm like when it's calm i'll just be like, <laughs> like yeah. trying to get as much drinking yeah, as possible in like, like a calm moment <laughs> when you're like racing it's actually getting the food in you is major issue well obviously i manage it but on a on a club ride i don't know how you guys do it you ride at that speed and then have to eat food as well just liquids just pure liquids and they're like 
like trying yeah i just like i'll try and get up a climb as quick as possible so if try and like be like not the last person it's not the it's not the best advice i'd ever give everyone <laughs> when everyone's recovering here happy to take it but um yeah and then, um, and then number six number six number Donna six. is workers in the cycling industry talking down to women yeah, I've heard some horror stories. I'm not even going to lie. I've heard some horror stories and stuff just not done properly, um, you know, by by people, um, you know, or women going in, knowing what they want, saying, I need one of these, and then being questioned about why they need it and are they sure. And um you, you just, just why, you know, if I, if I come in and I say, look, I need a derailleur, why are you going to ask me if I, if I, I mean, it's Very quite specific, specific thing, isn't it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quite a specific thing. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that, that is just the reality of women, I guess, in, in all areas of life, you know, in, in, in work, Obviously, it's it's not all bad. It's not all bad. You know, I talk a lot about the joy of cycling, but yeah. there's definitely some things about it which are annoying and which I think are an experience that, you know, um, a lot of women share. Yeah. Now, uh, talking about joy, Donna, I think it's time joy. that Cam, hit, Cam hits you with some propaganda. Yeesh. Yeah. White bib, white bib shorts. Where are we? Are you wearing white bib shorts? You know, April the first, I think, is the day provisionally we've got for our pave ride. Uh, white shorts encouraged. Um, how, where do you feel on the white bib shorts? Uh, are you a fan? Are you not a fan? And uh, could it ever be a possibility for you? I mean, I'm sure it's got a place. It's got a place. Um, I, I've seen I've seen some people in white shorts, white bib shorts, and I mean, you know, some look better than others. But me personally, like a lot of cyclists, a lot of these, you know, smaller cyclists, I don't think they're really filling them out enough. Hmm. You need the bunda. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that is a word I was I expecting mean, Cam to even say. It. <laughs> it was not you my bingo list tonight. <laughs> you said it. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> not not just bullet, but I don't know, like bit of you know, bit of leg meat as well. Mm. Get on the that's all. Rack. That's all. I, I think it has its place, and you know. Everyone is free to wear whatever they want. Would I personally wear white bib shorts? When when I did London to Paris um, last mm. year, there was a beautiful woman from South Africa. She came with her club and she had an all white fit on and she looked oh. incredible. Damn. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, she looked incredible. She sold it to me. I would wear it on a short ride. I, I just when I'm out nice on the ride, chat labs number, little chat. I'm drinking. Number. I'm using gels. I'm putting the gels in my pocket. Every 
everything I wear gets filthy. So yeah. personally, I don't know if I could do white bib shorts. Maybe in Girona, you know, somewhere where no, you know it's going to be hot, it's going to be dry, it's going to be clean. London is London's too filthy. Grimy. I mean, London to, Surrey, London to Kent, Essex. It's too filthy for that, man. Do you think? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 so London. So, NJ and I. This will go into the next question. NJ and I quite like, you know, like Belgium classics, muddy. Yeah. The the white bib shorts. That's not an environment for for that kind of um, apparel, for those kind of garms. So yeah, I agree. It? It's going to be. It's got to be. It's yeah. It's got to be. Um, like chat laps. No coffee. You can't drink coffee in case someone spills something on you. It has to be like because otherwise Bro. it looks like you catch. It looks like you looks like you catch yourself. It's also a so pipe you, cleaner, so you can't take the risk. Yeah, you've got to be super careful in the white boobs. But, but well, that that's that rules me out because I'm just very messy. <laughs> I, I always any any time I'm wearing white, whatever I drink just ends up on it so but yeah I know do you feeling. man do you fly fly the white flag you know do it <laughs> do it uh, man he has Enjoy. and he will do it more uh and our final question of we'll this it, do it. our final section is uh final section final question is yeah uh, couples or mountains donna what do you what i do mean you like, like on what do I like cycling? Well, definitely not cobbles. You're mad. <laughs> um, mountains. Yeah, I like the views. Are you mad? <laughs> you mad? Are you mad, bro? But I want to give myself even more pain. Um, yeah, it's fun. Like a short section is is fun. Like you know, during a ride, a little bit of a different terrain. I mean, mm. it. I did love seeing um, Lizzie Dynan win yeah. the first Paris Roubaix. It was it was stunning. It was to see that, you know, during my short cycling career, it just it was is a it's real incredible. moment. To see all those women just riding so hard. It was yeah, it's incredible. Like when you watch them, you literally feel like you're on the bike with them. I think it was the end when she was on the podium and you could see that she'd taped her hands up, you know, like if you play rugby or something and you yeah. could see the blisters on her yeah. hands from holding the bike like that. Yeah, so it she has was so bloody. The friction. She was bloody. Um, but yeah, I totally appreciate um, all the pros that ride on that. Me personally, I never even thought I'd ride in mountains. I, it just, wasn't something mm. I thought about until a couple of years ago. So even getting to do like the baby climbs that I'm doing, I mean, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I love the views. You know, I always say to people, some of the women I meet, they're like, oh, I don't like hills. And I just always say like, if you don't ride hills, you won't see the best views. And mm. that's what I love about the mountains, just up in the clouds. I mean, I used to ski and snowboard, so. Yeah. I do like being at the top of a mountain. It's good. Amazing. What was the, the first mountain you, you did? Uh, I guess it was um, 
Yeah, it's in Girona. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that's like a proper mountain, but no, yeah. If you're going uphill, it's probably a mountain. Yeah, yeah. First European climb in Girona. Because the nice. um, Ironman bike course in Barcelona is, is pretty flat. It's got rollers, but no yeah. climb. Um, the first mountain I did was Ditchling Beacon, really. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that climb. Um, so, like, it's rough, I, man. Man, fuck Ditchling Beacon with all like the cars steady. trying to get past you on the like. Yeah, the, it's, it, it's like it says so it's scary. double lane. It says it's double lane, but it's single lane, and there's cars on either side, and you're just up there chewing step. Yeah. Single track, yeah, that is what really scared me more than the actual climb is being clipped mm. in and not having I wasn't clipped in that long. And then these cars were like there, it was just it was too scary. So the first time I, I tried to go up it, I just had to walk it. And um, yeah, yeah, I've been back a few times since and it's got better, it's definitely better. But you know, going places like Scotland and and Girona has, has really helped. I'm um, in May. I'm going to go to Rwanda with uh, Black Unity Bike Ride because nice. that is the organisation that I'm working with. Um, I'm now a trustee of BUBR. Uh, but I, I wanted to go. I just wanted to go on the trip. Uh, I want to go to Africa. Rwanda is is actually um, is it's really known for its active lifestyle there. Mm -hmm. uh, the people are very active. Um, it's also a center for Africa rising cycling. So it's a, it's a hub mm -hmm. for elite cyclists in Africa. Yeah. And I'm really excited. It's also known as the land of a thousand hills. Oh yeah. The, uh, I think the, so, yeah. The World Championships I'll is there in 2025. It's going yes, to be yes. So good. So I will be at North London Hills. Um, we're going to do... Uh, yeah, we're going to do some good cycling out there. It's like I'll be there for seven days, I think. Oh, wow. That's going to be... I reckon we'll probably so be I'm really excited about them. I'm Amazing. really excited about them. Yeah. Well... Donna kind of brings our time to a close. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with NJ and I. Um, we've really appreciated having you on and look forward to having you on again soon. Uh, where can people find you and um, what have you got in the pipeline other than maybe BUBR? What, what, have you, um, what have, things you've got working on? Uh, well, I, I think I'm going to probably take it easy this year to be honest uh <laughs> no no uh yeah well i'm i'm training for get get a bit ready for girona uh ride london ford ride london i'm doing in may i'm doing some work around that with the ford ride london team you know on raising awareness of the different um distances that people can do um mm -hmm. so i'll be doing some stuff with them uh yeah rwanda will be in may uh june 
nothing on schedule. July, potentially half Ironman. I just haven't decided which one yet. But I'd like to do it early in the year so then I can enjoy August because that is uh, carnival month and Mm -hmm. I don't want to do any events in (laughs) August. (laughs) I just need to enjoy myself and get to carnival. Uh, Yeah, that's it for now. Uh, People can find me at the underscore Iron Empress on Instagram. And yeah, that's Excellent. Well, it's, um, I guess it's thanks and bye from me. It's bye from Thank me. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Bye from me. Bye. Bye. bye.